This is the Daily Signal podcast for Tuesday, March 28th. I'm Samantha Sherris. And joining today's show is Victoria Coates. Victoria is a senior research fellow in international affairs and national security here at the Heritage Foundation. Victoria and I sat down to discuss protests in Israel and Prime Minister Netanyahu's proposed changes to the judicial system. We'll get to my conversation with Victoria right after this. Looking for quick conservative policy solutions to current issues from America's outpost here in Washington? Sign up for Heritage's weekly newsletter, The Agenda. You'll get top conservative research, a rundown of important events happening here at Heritage that you can watch online, and hot takes from our experts. Sign up at heritage.org agenda or at the link in the show notes. Victoria Coates is joining today's podcast. Victoria is a senior research fellow in international affairs and national security here at the Heritage Foundation. Victoria, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Samantha. So we've been seeing these reports of protests in Israel in response to Prime Minister Netanyahu's proposed changes to the judicial system. And NBC reported on Monday that Netanyahu actually agreed to pause a divisive plan to overhaul the country's judicial system until the next parliament uh, session. That's according to a statement from one of the coalition partner parties. So first and foremost, what can you tell us about these proposed changes? Well, basically what Netanyahu is proposing is to uh, to make the the appointments of the judges less political and their powers less sweeping. Uh, the Supreme Court has been a very sort of left-leaning element in the Israeli government. And so uh, it's, it's, it's a reform that a number of Israelis uh, support, but making it somewhat more controversial is the fact that the prime minister himself is under investigation for various charges of corruption and bribery. And so there is a perception uh, which I personally don't think is true, but but there's a broad public perception that he is trying to manipulate the courts for his own legal gain. Mm -hmm. And what do you think of these proposed changes? I know they'll be, you know, delayed until, um, as as I just mentioned, until the next parliament session. But do you think these changes make sense? I certainly think some reforms are necessary. Mm -hmm. I think if, you know, if there's a fault for what the prime minister did, it was it was sort of too far and too fast, given you know these you know, these kind of complicating perceptions that I mentioned, mm-hmm. and so it it seems to me that there should be a compromise here that can be reached, uh, and that if if we can get to a cooling off period, and then move on to a more sober. Uh, broad-based reform process, that that would be a lot better for Israel. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to talk about some other reporting that we're seeing that Netanyahu also fired his defense minister. Uh, That also sparked a lot of protests. Uh, What was this all about, and and why did he do this? Yeah, the defense minister, Gallant, came out over the weekend uh, with with a statement very much against Netanyahu, and it was Mm -hmm. while the prime minister was traveling. And so I think there was a feeling that he didn't he didn't coordinate it with the prime minister's office ahead of time. As I said, the prime minister was traveling. That's always a, a bad time to do something really disruptive. And so the 
Netanyahu responded by firing him. I think it would be a really good idea, you know, after a cooling off period, if, you know, if they could they could reconcile and, and come together to work on this for the good of the country. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to just ask your thoughts on the significance of the protests that we saw and, and what was playing out in Israel. Yeah, I think it, it's really remarkable. I mean, the estimates are as, ma- as many as 700,000 people were out in, in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, and that's a country of 9 million people. So wow. you're coming up on 10% of the country is participating in this. I think it certainly demonstrates how passionately mm-hmm. Israelis feel about their politics and about their country. and you know, the degree to which they feel participant in this process. And so if this can be resolved peacefully in an orderly fashion and get to a desired reform, I actually think it winds up being a great example to the region of Mm -hmm. a functioning democracy. Yes, absolutely. And I wanted to also see, uh, like, have we seen these, this, this scale of protests in Israel before? There have been periodically. I don't. I don't. Wouldn't. I, I don't know exactly the size, so I don't know if these these are record breaking. Certainly, mm-hmm. they're among the larger. But remember, there's also a tradition in Israel of sort of everybody coming out, you know, on in the street on on remembrance days. Uh, so so the notion of of getting into kind of the communal square. Uh, as as a population is is not unusual for the Israelis. Mm-hmm. Regarding the protests themselves, uh, do you think they signal any sort of change in Israel's culture, or do you think this might just be a one-time thing that that we saw play out? No, I think the broader shift that you've seen in Israel really over the last 20 years Mm -hmm. is from a very left-leaning, with with real socialist roots uh, in the original uh, sort of foundation of Israel and what developed in the decades after that that did make a rightward turn some 20 years ago, and that that process of Israel becoming, you know, not a intrinsically left-leaning state to becoming a more centrist state, and if not centrist, right-leaning, I think definitely is what's being reflected here. Mm-hmm. And just from the U.S. perspective, what have we been hearing from the Biden administration? What has their response been like? Well, they've had a sort of conflicted relationship with Israel. Uh, you know, we had the, the spectacle of the Undersecretary for Political Affairs summoning the Israeli ambassador to the State Department this week to complain uh, about a series of issues. And I think the the administration has, you know, on the one hand, wanted to continue successes like the Abraham Accords. They've made the decision not to move the embassy back to Tel Aviv. Uh, but on the other hand, they've also tried to very aggressively elevate the Palestinian issue and to try to get back into an Iranian nuclear deal. And I think those are sending very mixed signals to Jerusalem and, and to the region, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and just speaking of the region, I wanted to get your thoughts on if these protests could lead to ramifications with Israel and other Middle Eastern countries. I don't think necessarily. Again, if it's if it's resolved peacefully and you know a kind of an orderly reform process goes into place, I, I don't I don't see any lasting ramifications. Victoria, just before we go, I wanted to get your final thoughts on what we've been talking about today. Well, I think you know it's the most useful role the United States can 
play is one of being an interlocutor. Uh, you know, that we, we should be talking to everybody, seeing if there's anything supportive we can do, while being very respectful of the fact that this is an internal Israeli issue. And at the end of the day, it's really none of our business uh, that if we can support and assist in getting it resolved, we should because we're a good partner and ally. But otherwise, we should probably keep our noses out of their business. Well, Victoria Coates, thank you so much for joining me. Again, Victoria Coates, a senior research fellow in international affairs and national security here at the Heritage Foundation. Victoria, thanks so much. Thank you, Samantha. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for listening to my interview with Victoria Coates. We'll keep you updated on any further developments regarding what's happening in Israel. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to The Daily Signal wherever you get your podcasts and help us reach even more listeners by leaving a five-star rating and review. We read and appreciate all of your feedback. Thanks again for listening. Have a great Tuesday, and we'll be back with you all this afternoon for top news. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.